Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Uh, Turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 42. We're in Genesis chapter 42 of our study in the life of Joseph. Last week, we learned that Joseph was 30 years of age when he stood before the most powerful man in the world at that time. His name was Pharaoh. And through God's leading, Joseph provided him a glimpse into the future. Seven years of plenty would happen in Egypt, followed by seven years of famine. As our story opens today, the seven years of plenty have ended, and the famine has gripped this powerful nation and the countries around it far and wide. It's been some 25 years since Joseph's brothers have laid eyes on him and vice versa. Not only has it been two and a half decades, but Joseph now looks more like an Egyptian than his old self, the Hebrew. I don't believe any of these reasons, though, played a major role in the visual ignorance of them. I believe that the years of their tortured memories of one horrible day when they let their anger get the best of them and they sold their little brother into slavery, a day they worked hard at every day to forget these past 25 years has caused the memory of Joseph's face to fade with time. I mean, surely he's dead now. God's plan is to birth a nation from these 12 brothers, ten of whom are paralyzed in the middle of their sin. So he must first restore them to himself and then to their father because they've sinned against him and, of course, to their little brother, Joseph. In our passage today, we will look at how God brought about the repentance of the sins of these ten brothers. And it's a type of roadmap for ourselves as well. In this story, we will see the process for repentance, which is the title of my sermon today. Process number one to repentance is this, the motivation for repentance. There must be a motivating factor for anyone to repent. Genesis 42, verse 1. When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And he said, Indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there, that we may live and not die. So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, Lest some calamity befall him. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. The Israelite nation is a couple of hundred miles away, and it would take them a long time to get there. There are a couple of hundred people right now. It may not seem like a lot compared to their post-Egyptian captivity, but try feeding that many people twice a day even. Not to mention feeding the sheep outside and keeping them alive. 
They were definitely motivated to act. The fact that he doesn't let Benjamin go with them suggests, to me at least, that the boys may have lost dad's trust years ago. Jacob's already lost his favorite son, Joseph, when he was sent to check up on his brothers. Now Jacob's completely unwilling to allow Benjamin, probably in his 30s at this point, his last tie to his beloved but deceased wife, Rachel. Now Egypt is no walk in the park either. It's some 300 miles away from where they are in Canaan. So to to get there and to get home was about a 30-day hike for these guys. For a person to repent, they need to come to a place where they acknowledge their guilt and desire a change in their life. And God is going to provide a setting for which to give them opportunity to repent. So process number one, the motivation for repentance. And number two, we see the soberness of speech. There's a time for soft words, but there's also a time for straight talk. Verse 6, now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. If you've been here, it finally came true. God had showed him in a dream this would happen. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. But he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. It's so interesting. This story is better than anything you can make up. Truth is always better than fiction in in my book. Then he said to them, this is Joseph, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said to him, No, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man's sons. <laughs> we are honest men. Clearly, they don't recognize the talking to Joseph. <laughs> Can you imagine Joseph? I'm with you on the first statement. The second page, you know, not so much on that second one. You're honest. We're honest men. Your servants are not spies. But he said to them, No, but you have come to see the nakedness or the vulnerability of the land. And they said, Your servants are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. Isn't that interesting? These ten include now Benjamin and Joseph, who's not with them. Uh, Your servants are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And in fact, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, it is as I spoke to you, saying you were spies. Now listen, Joseph didn't pull any punches here. He speaks plainly. His words are sobering to these brothers. Sometimes we need to be sobered. (laughs) On one hand, God is working through the wisdom He gave to Joseph in order to call out the sinful hearts of these ten brothers. But on the other hand, it must have been very difficult for him not to reveal himself to them in hopes of a reunion. But before the family reunion, before the party can start, before they can reunify, Joseph wants to see where their hearts are. 
Are they ready to repent? Are they ready to return to their God? At first, what he's going to do is he's going to throw them all in prison. And then he's going to tell them, I'm going to hold all of you, but one of you, you can go back and you bring little Benjamin here if you're telling the truth. You come back and I'll let the rest of you go. But eventually he swaps that 180 degrees where he keeps one and sends the other nine back. Why? Because he it cares for his father. He cares for the family. He, need, he knows that they're starving. He knows that grain's got to get back to dad. And so he's going to send them back to him. He wants his brothers to work together to carry the difficult task of arriving home safely. But he also wants to see God's vision revealed to him long ago in his dreams to come about in his life. The vision revealed that all his brothers and his father would bow down to him as provider and savior, little s, savior. And this wouldn't happen unless Joseph's words would sober the hearts of their brothers. Proverbs 27.6 tell us that good friends will tell you the truth, even if it's hurtful at times. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A good friend will grab you by the collar and say, dude, what are you doing? You're headed in the wrong direction. I need to tell you something. I'm watching you. Don't go down this road. Return. Return. Before we can reach a place of repentance, we need to hear the truth and love. The process for repentance. Process number one, we saw the motivation for repentance. Number two, we saw the soberness of speech. And now process number three, we see the solitude of heart. To repent, one must go to be alone with God. This is how repentance takes place. Verse 17, Joseph comes up with a great idea for how to make that happen in his brother's lives. So he put them all together in prison three days. <laughs> I'm going to send you off alone like you sent me off alone. Because the time alone in prison is going to do you some good. It's going to turn your, change your heart. And it does, as we'll see in a minute. Joseph would give them the experience of what it was like to lose your freedom just as he had lost his freedom 25 years prior to all of this. He would give it to them so that they could have time alone to ponder what they had done. Process for repentance. Process number one, we saw the motivation of repentance. Then we saw the soberness of speech. Next, we saw the solitude of the heart. And now, process number four, we see the obedience to change. If we're not going to obediently change and come back to the truth in God's Word, then it's not real repentance. Saying I'm sorry doesn't, doesn't matter if your heart isn't changed. There needs to be an obedience to change. Verses 14, or 15 and 16, 18 and 20. In this matter, you shall be tested, Joseph said. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother and you shall be kept in prison that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. Joseph told his ten brothers, if your words of confession are true and you're not spies, then you will go back and bring Benjamin here 
while the other nine await their return. Then he lets them stew on this for three days. Can you imagine what went through their minds as they're sitting in this prison looking at one another? Scripture tells us that three days later in verse 42, they had come to realize that God was dealing with them according to their sins. Verse 18, Then Joseph said to them the third day, Do this and live, for I fear God. That's the second time he's used that phrase. For I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house. But you go and carry grain for the famine of your houses and bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. The test of these nine who returned home would be that they would obediently follow Joseph's orders and return with their youngest brother in tow. The question begs here, and I've read this story many times in my life now, but this time I, the question came to my mind, why did he choose Simeon to remain in prison? I mean, he has 10 brothers. How do you decide who's going to stay behind incarcerated? Interesting. I, I kind of chased that a little bit, and I looked at Simeon's life. Earlier on, before all this happens, we discover that Simeon really is a brute. Simeon is a bully. And Simeon has murdered. And I wonder if it wasn't Simeon, we're not told, if it wasn't Simeon that came up with the idea to throw Joseph in the pit and carry out the act that was carried out. If he did, Joseph kept him a little longer in prison so that he could think about what he had done and have more time to repent. The process for repentance. Process number one, the motivation of repentance the soberness of speech, the solitude of the heart, the obedience to change, and process number five, we see the acknowledgement of sin. Because if you can't acknowledge that you've sinned, then this whole idea of repentance is worthless. In our remaining passage, we finally hear the rumblings, at least, of a confession of guilt, an admission of sin. No, they're not where they need to be yet, but this is a good beginning. At least the idea has been broached. Verse 21, Then they said to one another, Now, I want to remind you, they don't recognize Joseph. Joseph can understand Hebrew, of course, but after they speak, he has to turn to the interpreter, and the interpreter interprets in Egyptian. So the brothers now feel very safe in discussing stuff in Hebrew because Zapanath Paneah doesn't understand what he's what they're saying so then they said to one another we are truly guilty concerning our brother for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us and we would not hear therefore this distress has come upon us and Reuben answered them saying did I not speak to you saying do not sin against this boy and you would not listen Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. Remember Reuben, when this is all going on, they've torn off the coat of Joseph, the coat of many colors. They've got his coat off him and, and they're about to murder him. And Reuben says, don't, don't shed this young boy's life. 
And then he turns and he leaves. Did I, did I not speak to you saying, do not sin against this boy and you would not listen? Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. God is going to spill our blood for what we did to our little brother. Verse 23, but they did not know that Joseph understood them for he spoke to them through an interpreter. Well, suddenly and without warning, the floodgates at least are open. And Joseph was overwhelmed by what he saw. No repentance in their heart. No tears for Joseph. At that moment, their little brother was undone and he had to remove himself. Scripture says, and he turned himself away. That doesn't mean he just turned his back on them and cried in front of them. To turn one in the Hebrew language, that, that context of words means removed himself from among their presence. So he probably went somewhere else and he wept because his brothers had not repented. His brothers were not sorry. His brothers had not changed after all these years. They were the same old cantankerous brothers. And he wept. Verse 24, and he turned himself away from them and wept. Then he returned to them again and talked with them. What they talked about, we're not told. Probably the logistics of them getting their grain and all of that. Here's Joseph's next move. He goes and weeps. He speaks to the brother. He comes back. He speaks to the brothers some more. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. I've shared before that I'm absolutely eating up this 19th century pastor by the name of F.B. Meyer and his commentary on the life of Joseph. And this week, one of his insights just seemed to pierce my heart. I quote, Whilst these men spoke thus, Joseph stood by them. There was no emotion on those compressed features. No response in those quiet eyes. Joseph could not let on that he knew what they were talking when they were talking amongst themselves. He's standing there listening to every word, but he could not change his face. He would let on that he understood Hebrew. So there were no emotion on the compressed features, no response in those quiet eyes. They knew not that he understood them, Scripture says. Oh, how often do anguished souls go to the priest ministers and friends with the bitter tale of anguish they knew not that one is standing by who hears and understands all and longs to throw aside every barrier in order to bring them aid true he speaks to them by an interpreter but if they would only speak straight to him he would speak directly to their waiting hearts he goes on to say there is a curious contrast in the 24th verse. First, we learned that he turned himself away from them and he wept. And the next we are told that he took Simeon and bound him before their eyes. The brethren only saw the latter of these two actions and must have thought him rough and unkind. How they must have trembled in his presence. But they knew not the heart of tender love that was beating beneath all this seeming hardness. Nor could they guess that the retention of Simeon was intended to act as a silk cord to bring the brothers back to him. It is thus continually in life's discipline. We suffer, and we suffer keenly. Imprisoned, bereaved, rebuked, we count God harsh and hard sometimes we little realize how much pain He is suffering 
and he and as he causes us pain and how the tender heart of our brother Jesus is filled with grief welling up within him as he makes himself strange if we could both see the tender face behind the visor and know how noble a heart beats beneath the mailed armor we should feel that we were as safe amid his rebukes as ever we were amid his tenderest caress. Sometimes we judge God harsh. Sometimes we blame God for what's happened in our life. And we look at him as cruel. When he is acting out as the good, good father that we need in our life. God used Joseph's discipline with his brothers to bring about their repentance and forgiveness, which we see at the end of our story. The brothers still have some lessons to learn in the coming chapters. So what does it, a genuine heart of repentance look like? We've seen that they, they're not there yet. I mean, they're blaming each other. They're fighting about this. No one's sorry for what they did. So I asked myself this week, what is a heart? Okay, they're doing it wrong. What does a heart of genuine repentance look like? And it doesn't matter what it looks like to us. What does genuine repentance look like to God? What does it sound like? And as I thought about that at my desk, I remembered a prayer, a song that David wrote in Psalm 51 after he had committed adultery and after he committed murder. David knew he had done wrong. He fell on his face on the floor and he repented. So what does that sound like? What does it look like? Here it is. Here is his written statement of repentance. Have mercy upon me, God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, your, uh, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. It had been a long time since he had heard either. Holding on to sin is rot to our souls. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me away from your presence and and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. All and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of myself. He's calling his sin out. He's not sugarcoating it. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. 
O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. When we come to the point where we are broken, our hearts are broken for what we have done, then God is ready to forgive you. Now, as a follower of Christ, post-cross, we are forgiven as pure as snow. The the moment we sin, our sin is covered. But to walk with God and to know God at the level He wants us to know Him, intimately walk with Him. We cannot hold hands with God and hold hands with the devil at the same time. We cannot hold hands with God and carry a basket of sin with us. It just doesn't work that way. God's a jealous God. He doesn't want us divided, our attention divided. And so we must go to Him and we must confess our sin. It's already forgiven. We must confess it, which means to agree with Him. God, I agree with You. You've called this sin and I agree that it is sin. And God, my heart is broken for what I've done. Restore a, new, a right spirit in me. Return the joy that I once had before this happened. God will hear that prayer. He'll answer that prayer. What a beautiful primer on how to confess our sins and move forward with God. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.